0: And welcome to the Miss Rolling Podcast. My name as usual, is usually Jacob Staten, and as usual, I'm joined by JJ Armstrong. JJ, how the diddly doodly devil are you? Wow. Um, well, normally, uh,
1: 24 hours after a game, I've settled down enough to say I am okay. However, I will be very honest with you, Jacob. It's quarter to seven the day after the Liverpool game. My uncle
0: a I'm still not, I'm not annoyed
1: i'm I'm not okay
0: i'm still annoyed how about you have you recovered or are you over it? i've recovered enough to make a my chemical romance joe mate but uh no um God. fortunately i was watching on a uh on a stream so it was a in a on a seaside in a seaside town with very poor internet connection so i was very far behind so i knew the goal had gone in and then i didn't really catch the full gist of it until i was able to catch up with you after the game and uh I was untethered. My rage knew no bounds, mate. Let's put it that way. But uh, uh, you went full yeah. golden god, that's for sure. Full golden god. We finished a car, mate. So we were, we were a finish a car that game. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but before we jump 2 far to tackle into the Liverpool game, JJ's got a little quiz for you because we're playing Brighton next, aren't we, JJ? We
1: are. So, each podcast now we're going to give you a very quick quiz with the list of teams a player has played for. Both. Forrest plus the next opponent. Jacob's a wiki rolling quiz. The wiki rolling in mm. quiz. There you go. That's terrible. That is rubbish. <laughs> um, so there'll be a video about to be played that will list the teams this person has played for, and it's play- he's played for both Brighton and Forest. That's the link. Have a think about it. Let us know in the comments if you have the answer. And we'll see if Jacob gets it. He'll reveal it at the end of the podcast. And we'll reveal the answer at the end. So I'm gonna play the clip.
2: Welcome to Guess the Player, Brighton and Forest edition. So this player started at Brighton between 2005 to 2009. Within that time they had a loan spell at the mighty Nottingham Forest, with 23 appearances between 2008 and 2009, before it got made permanent at Forest between 2009 to 2012, with 57 appearances. They then went on to Huddersfield Town between 2012 and 2016, 122 appearances before moving to Queen's Park Rangers between 2016 to 2019. They then went to Sunderland between the years 2019 to 2020, with 16 appearances before finishing their career at Crawley Town between the years 2021 to 2023. Who do you think is Let us know in the comments if you think you've got it. Get your thinking caps on and let us know
1: few things there that I'd like to share with you. One, uh, I, I recorded that voiceover, and then ran it through AI, so it sounded more of a thing, and it ended up sounding like Match Day with Max, uh, if anyone else thinks that. Secondly, I put AI generated perfect voice, mate. What do you want? What, what do you want? Uh, there you go. Gary Bordy Red podcast, a Match Day with Max. You've got the perfect AI voice, apparently. Uh, secondly... Put in a lot of work for that to get someone random, and Jacob's already messaged me
0: saying he's got it. So, actually, we'll reveal I the answer got, at the end. I actually got it before you even played it there. I told you I knew you go for. So, have a think. I thought that would be more
1: difficult, but let us know in the comments. i a think we'll give the answer away at the end, and Jacob will say his answer
0: at the end. But anyway, yep. on to. The Liverpool game, Jacob. Yes, starting at 11. So I think the, the key points for me were probably Omo, Omo saying so trying to say it too quickly, Omo Bamidelli back in the centre-back. I was very happy about that, by the way. Um, I think he was very harshly dropped. I, I I don't mean that as in Nick Arte is not worth dropping him for or Felipe etc. I just think he'd done nothing wrong to get dropped. Um, Tyrell on the bench and <laughs> Matt Seltz back in goal. Despite, you know, I turned had a pretty decent game against United. Uh, but Matt Matt Sills back in goal. I think he's done nothing wrong for Forest. So much as so I think, I think he's been kind of a six and a half, seven out of ten every game. He's not made a mistake. Just the, the just the the easy stuff. Well, I suppose. Um, JJ, any any thoughts? Happy about the Deli
1: and partnership. I think that's one that we can really push going forward. And I think I think we just need to give them the run of games now. We've we've chopped and changed at centre back so much. I think they have been consistently the best two uh, combined that we've seen. Obviously, Felipe's had some great games. He's had some not-so-great games. Uh, Nick, i the exact same, but I think these two are the most consistent we've seen. Obviously, Murillo against Villa wasn't his best, but I think this partnership is both great for the time being, but also one you'd hope for the future if we can just keep Murillo for a little bit longer. But really happy about that partnership happy about the team, really. I was a bit disappointed not to see Taiwo start. I think if you'd asked me whether I would have rather had 90 minutes out of him against Liverpool or against Manu in the Cup, my answer would have been against Liverpool. So, it's a shame, but I think Origi's done enough in recent weeks to sort of stop the absolute meltdown that I possibly could have had. Uh, if you'd seen that lineup a few weeks or months ago, then I don't think I'd have been too happy seeing Origi start over Taiwo, but He's certainly done enough. So overall, very happy. And it's worth noting that Liverpool's starting eleven. There was such a narrative about like a second string eleven and playing the kids and everything like that, which obviously they are weakened in in comparison to their regular starting eleven. But certainly still got a lot of quality, and that's a, a good enough side to give us a bloody good game. I can tell you that. So I think the narrative of. Their second string 11 being like taking on the world type of thing, I don't think is quite
0: true. I think they've still got a lot of good quality. I think it's probably only in the midfield, isn't it? I'm looking at their team now. Um, I can't remember his first name but that Bradley at right back. I think he could possibly be better than Trent Alexander Arnold because he can defend for a start and he's very good going forward. He's very good on the ball. Um, was Joe Gomez and kind of the whole in midfield role? He actually played very well at Bobby Clark. Uh, making his first Premier League start, but he's not bad, is he? Uh, he's watched the, the Carlin Cup final and that kind of thing. And when they play Southampton on Wednesday, um three of Harvey Elliott, Cody Gakpo and Luis Diaz still cost them a lot for a lot of money and they're good players, aren't they? So I um, you know I, I, I understand they're under strength, but it's not exactly a bad team, is it?
1: Certainly not. Um I think it made for an interesting game in terms of their weakened side's probably a lot closer to our strongest side, but either way, still a lot of quality in in that side. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, so yeah, we, we start the game, JJ. We we you know we're obviously going to concede possession. I think that's an, an easy thing to point out. The start of the game, we're never going to end up with anywhere near fifty percent or over. Um, but we start the game exactly as we want to play the game. I think on the new know that's that's sitting back and. <laughs> counter-attacking on, counter on purpose um, I think a very interesting point to to make as well is that it wasn't Dibok Origi up front it was uh, Anthony Alanga Dibok Origi down the right he did really well against Sofian and Amrabat um, on Wednesday against Man United be, uh, Adi Robertson's a different color back, caliber of left back to uh, Safi Amrabat isn't he but um, yeah it was, it was just interesting to see that they've gone for the pacing behind on the counter-attack haven't they as, as opposed to an out yeah. strike. Yeah, I
1: thought we played really well in the first half. Um, looking at the match reports afterwards, the Google one, the timeline typically gives you a good idea of what's happened. Uh, and frustratingly, the Google one that I read said the Reds have had the better of the first half. And say the Reds in reference to Liverpool, which is absolutely criminal. Um, they didn't register a shot on target in that first half, which I think shows how effective we've been. Um, and closing them down quick and making sure that we get our blocks in essentially and I think we showed that we could get something out of the game through the pace of Alanga I think he looks a threat um, obviously here had that 1-on-1 chance that, that was should go,
0: that should go in there's no I, I I, I think actually Kelleher does really really well to not commit himself but somebody with Anthony Alanga's pace should be throwing a feint and going around it should never even should to take his, his lack of finishing out of the equation. Yeah, I think. I think Kelleher is brilliant. I think he's a great
1: keeper. The fact that he's second in command, I think he'd start for a lot of other teams. Um, but I think he did well, but Alanga should have done better. And there is obviously the question of, is it slightly offside? But let's give the VAR the chance to look at it by putting it in the back of the net. Don't leave it sort of speculative. So, yeah, I thought... I thought we showed good intent. I, whilst possession just doesn't really tell the whole picture, does it? We looked comfortable. I didn't really feel under too much threat, even though Liverpool dominated possession. Um, guess maybe similar to like Arsenal, where they can have all the possession in the world, but if they're not going to do anything with it, up put a shot on target or get gifted something. then it looks larger like one of those days where Forest can shut them out. And I thought we did very well. I thought we worked really hard and I thought we were playing to the best of our ability in that first yeah. half.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you said it a second ago, mate. I think you said we were very effective. I mean, that's the best way to describe that first half. We sat in well, we defended well. The the back five, celt Williams, Omobamidele, Murillo and Toffolo, I think were outstanding. That's throughout the whole game, but particularly the first half. I think they were just... I think it was just, fan- just, just fantastic. I don't think there's any other way of describing it. Um, Alanga should score when he goes through. A sensational pass by Divock Origi, by the way. Um, a very, very happy person going into half-time.
1: Yeah, I couldn't. I thought that Liverpool maybe would have to step up, step up quite a lot to get a fit out of the game themselves. Although they dominated possession, like I said, I still didn't feel too much threat. Looking at the bench famous last words given how we know the outcome was but I didn't see anyone that's real a real threat coming off the bench and helping them so I was quite confident that we are in this for at least a point and the only people that could let us down here would be ourselves we are often the architects of our own downfall but at half time I thought this is ours to take what we want from this we can push on take our chances and get three or stick it and get a point uh, didn't really foresee too much where Liverpool would end up getting all three as it stood at that time. Yep.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we come out in the second half. I don't think there were any changes with the JJ from either side. Let's have a quick, quick. No mosey. At half time. No. No. No, there weren't. Um, I think it was, if anything, I thought we were we were even more effective after after the half tie break. Um, leave Liverpool with the ball. I think you know. I think we quite clear alexis McAllister's is a good player and he had he had a good game trying to control the control the control control the whole game i suppose but yeah it's they weren't they weren't breaking anything were they and i think the more the second half wore on the more and more we grew into it tyler had a number of chances he, he looked he looked unfit which is what he hasn't done since he's come back from injury it's like he if, if this was his first game out from injury you'd go hmm, well but his first games back from injury did look like this. It's, it's very odd, but yeah, he, he squandered a few chances, but we're still making them, JJ, which I think is really important. Still making them. I think Liverpool didn't offer too
1: much other than a few attempted murders. Um, <laughs> yeah. There was Robertson, a few. Robertson about killed Nico Williams, unfortunately. Um,
0: interesting. Didn't, that, Dan, I, didn't Dans get cells as well?
1: Yeah, cells got uh, killed as well, so shame. Uh, that was a shame, but I've seen a few people say that Robertson should have been a red card. Uh, I don't think there was much intent
0: to it. So I personally think it was an accidental yellow. But There's whatever. a Joe Gomez one on not... White the first half that should have been a yellow as well. That definitely should have been a yellow. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll talk about the referees shortly. Um, yeah, the second half, I
1: thought we started really well. I thought we uh, came out with a lot of intent again. We looked up for it, which is always pleasing to see. The crowd responded in such manner. They were up for it as well. I think Saturday 3 o'clock against Liverpool, they're always going to be up for it, let's face it. Um, I thought we looked really well. in Tywo coming on for Divock, I thought Divock Origi was a bit of a blinder again. I thought he's really impressed once again. So happy to see Tywo come back, but I think... Origi is is really starting to impress me recently. And if he continues this vein of form, then it will almost be a bit like another signing. It seems to be preferred out on the right, which is interesting. A place where we guess we don't have too much depth, depth, particularly with Reina out, even though he typically plays through the middle. But yeah, I thought he had a great game. And personally, I think Tyro has looked quite uh, injury-led in the last few games. Yeah, he, he looks cumbersome I think is a word it is a word I don't know if it's the right word but that's um, the right word <laughs> he, he looks he does look lethargic and slow and he doesn't look like he's playing to the best visibility it looks like he's hampered slightly so he's I think he's done well through it largely um he is still effective he can hold the ball up he does what you need him to do but I think there's an element to his game currently whilst he is still not quite match fit where he's quite Slowing his sort of sharpness and awareness to pass the ball on or get the ball under his feet properly. So that's my. I don't want to criticise him too much. He is just back from injury, and I guess his minutes have been largely forced with Chris Wood out. Um, I think he has done a good enough job. Certainly, I've seen a few people giving him a lot of stick online. And I think it's largely unwarranted. He is very important to us, and I think the more minutes he can get, the more match fit we can get him, will be really key and really important. And if we can get Chris Wood back, then even better. But long, long way of saying that, yeah, we look good in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and then it comes to the to the final few minutes, JJ, doesn't it? There's already eight minutes out a time. I think Celso went down there, so I, I think it's a, a justified eight minutes. Um, I, I'd like to say before we get on to the talking point, um, I had no issue with the fact he went past 98. I think there was some time wasting. It was bang on 98 when they got the corner. Um but yeah, there is a there is a forest corner into the box, isn't it, JJ? Because we were pressing. There was only one team gonna win that game, in my opinion. Um, and like I said that's no disrespectful at all. I think we we, we were just the more the game went on, the more and more up for it we got. Um and we get a corner, it's a decent ball into the box. It gets flicked away. Hudson Abloh picks you up on the edge. There's a clash in the box. I've seen lots of stills of I mean, it. looks like Ryan Yates has kicked Kanate in the head.
1: That isn't right. right. Wrong, wrong, wrong angle. From a certain angle where there's not much depth perception, it looks like Yates has kung fu pandered Kelleher. Um, but it's not true. Uh, multiple angles show that it was Kelleher uh, going into his own man. I think it was Konate and Ryan Yates was nowhere near him. So, yeah... Not, not true at all. The, the ball goes out outside the box. Hudson Odoi is in possession of the ball. He's
2: the whistle is blown. A,
1: He's about to yeah. drop a Callum Hudson Odoi back into the yeah. box, isn't he? The whistle's blown here, and this is this is the the talking point. You might have thought we've flown through the the game, but this is essentially why. Because there's a lot to digest and talk about here. It might seem. Uh, In isolation, like such a minimal thing that the referee's given the ball back to the Liverpool player to carry on. But what effectively has happened in terms of the narrative is A, it's wrong because we had comfortable possession of the ball and we're attacking, and the ball was outside the box. Outside the box is the important thing here. That means it's a drop ball, I believe. There was a similar situation in the first half where Ryan Yates went down in his own box uh, with a head injury. The Game was stopped and a ball was given to our keeper because it was inside the box. I thought at the time, well, that's a bit brutal. That's actually quite annoying for them, I guess, because they're obviously attacking us and just like that, you know, the situation's completely zapped and we've got the ball. But rules are rules. It was in a box, correct. This one was certainly outside the box and we had comfortable possession of the ball. That is the most important part. And as you said, at that time, there's only one team going for it and attacking. There were a few minutes from that, them getting the ball back where they've gone up the other end and scored, but it changes the narrative and tempo of the game completely because what it has done is allowed Liverpool to absorb all pressure and just put an end to it and therefore effectively push us back up the pitch for them to have a go at us. It's a free hitter having to go at us. What what obviously it's so speculative. What could have happened if that never happened? If if we got the ball, but given the fact that we were going for it, or you know, Danilo and Gibbs White had just been booked for time wasting. I think the Danilo one's quite harsh because he levered a shot as the referee blew a whistle
0: and he got booked for kicking the ball away. It felt, but that's way, not time wasting either, is it? That's just kicking. That's no. like petulance. Yes. Either way, I, what, oh sorry, what, sorry, the Gibbs White one that was that was booked for walking to take a corner, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a yeah, corner, the yeah. corner. So the, the annoying thing is, at that time, game management kicks in. We have all our players up that end of the pitch. We're going for it, or we can sort of try and game manage, take it to the corner, whatever you want to do. Speculative, and we don't know what could have happened. Maybe we always would have lost the ball and it gone up the other end and Liverpool scored. Who knows? But you can't leave it up to that. You can't leave it up to speculation because the wrong thing happened and it's just frustrating. And I, I can, I've I never heard the city ground so angry at, at this point. They sounded very, very, very angry at the referee and you can see why. And I think the frustrating thing is we, we'll get an apology for it if we've not already, but all, mostly all ex-professionals, all pundits, all the an- analysis, ex-referees, even Mike Dean have all said, yeah, it's a monumental error. And in a season that's largely dictated by off-the-field things, it's monumental error, sorry, just isn't good enough.
0: No, I think this is where football's going to start getting a bit messy because if this costs, you know, if that point, if we go down by a point, we, we get a points deduction because, you know, if we get a points deduction because we've breached, that's fine, we've breached, that, that's by the by. I don't think you should be able to punish teams with point deductions for footballing for non-footballing matters, if that makes sense. But that's just my opinion. But that's fine. If we go down because of this point lost, not talking about a potential three, just a point loss from the draw, which we were sixty seconds away from. This that's when people like Evangelos Marinakis, Marinakis sorry, has put hundreds of millions of pounds into this football club of his own money that's when people like him are going to start going to lawyers and, and and things like that again because it it it's it's one of those things that if he's got something so catastrophically wrong like a penalty VAR is meant to fix it this is just a basic error so basic that VAR aren't allowed to intervene which which seems mind-boggling to me it what, what should have happened for me is that ball goes out for a corner to Liverpool VAR go what's it, it was it Paul Tierney wasn't it Cloud. VR should have gone poor. You've proper you've probably messed this up, mate. We take it back for a drop ball to Forrest. And guess what? None of this happens. What? Yeah.
1: I th- I think it's become a bigger story given the fact that Liverpool have scored. I was aggrieved at the time before what inevitably happened happened, but the fact that they have ended up scoring as a result of it, obviously a Fair amount of play following that, but it has changed the positioning of the team, the ball, the whole attacking intent of the the time of the game. It was all disrupted due to this decision. We should have cleared our lines. That is absolutely essential.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Don't yeah, there's no don't for one second think that we're not pointing the finger at ourselves because we it, we cost ourselves by not clearing the ball. However, there is a large factor that you would think that should never have even been a thing because of what what the referee did. And it's not just this point that we can reflect back on at the end of the season. It's multiple. It's the Man United penalty. It's the Bournemouth red card. It's the Ivan-Tony free kick. It's piling up and piling up and piling up. And there is this overwhelming feel of injustice against Forest, whether that is deliberate or not, corruption or not. I think everyone can sort of theorise and, Get into the heads about these sort of things, but it's easy to see why when it's consistently happening week in, week out. Jacob, you summed it up pretty well saying at the end, you've got an overwhelming feeling of what's the point? And that's how I felt since the end of that game. I just feel, what's the point? This is unenjoyable now because this season, is basically the position in the Premier League for Forest is being decided not by the performances on the pitch, but by refereeing decisions, VAR decisions, and in the courtroom
0: with a points deduction, it's just not enjoyable anymore. No. no, it's definitely taken the the edge off the the kind of silver lining of the Premier League for me. Like we've we've come up and yeah, don't get me wrong, there are VAR, there's VAR stuff that's gone our way, and that's and that's great. But i you know I don't think we've had many controversial ones go our way. Shall we? I think that's probably the best way of putting it. So, the, so v, sorry, VAR have got things right for us, which is great. But that's what it's meant to do. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not. We're not. We can't give them a pat on the back for getting something right. That's what it's. it's there to correct mistakes. It's then if it's making mistakes, we need to call it out. And I, I, like I said in a previous podcast, is that the worst thing that could happen to football, in general, but particularly in this country, is if people just accept the VAR is bad and stop talking about it. I, I want it gone. I, I'm I'm end of the season, I want it out. You obviously for obvious reasons you can't get rid of it now because it's not fair on games where it's interfered in and stuff like that. But I, it just needs to be draw the line underneath it and say we we had a go. Let's leave in goal line technology, which is I think is fantastic because it just comes to a watch and says if it's in or not. Uh, it's only only one mistake in however many years it's been used. Um automated offside, let's use that. I I you know but just this whole it's just it's just a failed experiment, isn't it? And I'm and I'm just worried that nobody's ever going to accept that because the people that make the decisions don't actually watch or like football. Do they?
1: I can't see VAR going anywhere. I think I think we're stuck with it. I think if anything, it's going to end up being rolled out to the other divisions. Um, unfortunately, that would probably be one of the main silver linings for me if we did go down. That you can just celebrate a goal and accept that errors are sometimes errors. The Championship was infuriating the amount of refereeing decisions we've spoken about over the years on this podcast. Names like Keith Stroud and Oliver Langford still haunt me to this day. But at least there's an element where you can just accept it as a thing. When there's something in place to protect those decisions and correct them and it doesn't, all I can say is the Nico Williams penalty the other week against West Ham. If if the thing in place to correct decisions doesn't look at that as says it's a penalty,
0: it's not. It's not fit for purpose. So, I I think you've just summed it up really, really well. In that VAR is there is meant to be there to correct refereeing errors because people make mistakes. But these are high stakes games, and like you said, if a referee makes a mistake and there's no VAR, you kind of if he didn't see it or if that's not what he saw, that's what that's not how he saw it. Whatever. If there's VAR there, that's meant to correct it. That's great. But right now they're not correcting it they're protecting the referee and that's not what it's there for just because it just because your pals on the pitch and he's got it wrong doesn't mean you shouldn't call him out for it you not, you're not calling him out for it you're just giving a kid you got this wrong you don't have to go you stupid you know, it's not that um mm. it's just it's not it's not being for what it's meant to be I'm like <laughs> i think inevitably they're
1: not helping the mates out by not correcting their decisions because it puts so much more of a spotlight and emphasis on the wrong decision when VAR blindly agrees with it, I know this. we're going a bit off tangent, this wasn't a VAR decision that cost us, it was a purely refereeing decision that VAR couldn't overturn. But I am guess we're just going off on a tangent about refereeing in, in general, which is not in a good spot. But for VAR to look at a refereeing decision, blindly go with it to protect the, their mate and their referee on the pitch, shines more of a spotlight on the actual decision and makes it all come across worse. So yeah. it's, it's interesting that, this drop-ball situation is law of the game that Paul Tierney hasn't understood. Uh, there's a lot of things that have gone in the way, not, not for us in the past, like the penalty, whatever. These things are largely subjective, but the decision against Liverpool was not a subjective opinion. And that's what frustrates me. And I can see why Maranakis is... Enraged to the point of being pitched side. Jacob, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that because I personally think it's not a great look. Just saw On the, on the Forest Folks podcast yesterday, I saw a really interesting comment on the live chat. I think Matt or Chris said, You don't see many owners do that. Uh, and someone in the comments said, You don't see any owners, many owners full stop, which is a very good point. And I think given the fact that he's quite prominent at the minute with uh, things that happen in Olympiacos. I don't think it's a great look. I don't think as an owner, you can largely do that. But if I put millions and millions of pounds into something and felt a sense of injustice and cheated out of it, I can tell you now I would have the exact same reaction. I'd be absolutely outraged.
0: Yeah, I understand what you're saying and what people might say about it's not a great look. My me personally, I back the owner 100. percent I think, if it, like you said, if that was me, yeah, he's a football fan. He's clearly a football fan. He's put a lot of his own money in. He clearly likes Forest. You know, he's he's been there all before with Olympiakos. You don't see many owners. You don't see many owners at games. You know, he comes to a lot of games to say he lives in Greece. And there's another team that's really successful. Do you know what I mean? And if you know, there's that whole thing a week of them punching the TV, smashing the TV up. Guess what? It's his TV. Can smash it what he wants. If he's not happy, do you know what I mean? I, I'm actually, you know, for once, if I think I, he's, if
1: I had money to replace my TV, it would get smashed up most weeks watching
0: football. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, I think there is a line in which he probably shouldn't cross. But I, I think he's probably ranting and raving at the referee in Creek, isn't he? So, and you know, as well, it doesn't help. And just, just on referees and what well, we what you were talking about before about them, the pressure, they're just all narcissists, aren't they? You look at the way that Paul Tierney was talking to Stephen Reed, who had his hands in his pockets and was, you know, I don't, I'm not saying I'm a lip reader, I can see what he said, but I know that if I'm going to throw hands in pockets and clearly not shouting, he's probably not saying anything worth getting a red card, is he?
1: I hope he does. I, he's hes rightly enraged. I think this is the point. Maranakis, I think he is probably rightly... Uh right to be enraged at the referee and have such a an, he didn't even look that angry to be fair like the video coming out now there was obviously the media speculation that he chased the referees down the tunnel there's a video which clearly shows him calmly uh, sort of walking around the tunnel area going down the tunnel before the referee actually gets there so it turns out that that was false rumours uh, easily started I guess when you see a an owner a pitch side But Stephen Reid situation, there has to be a middle ground somewhere where people can criticise a referee. And I know they've tried to clamp down on it this season where if someone says anything to a referee, they get a yellow almost straight away. Like Only the captain can speak to them or something like that. They're trying to limit And I think there's a difference between players surrounding a referee talking angrily to them about an average decision. When a referee has fundamentally influenced the outcome of a game, surely the coaching staff have the right to try and discuss it with him and have the right to be angry. Stephen Reed to me looked I we don't know what he said, but he looked pretty, you know, calm and collected in his I'm sure the words going out of his mouth probably weren't. But showing him a red card and I think someone has lip read him to say not here or something to Stephen Reed, but that's just again You're not making yourself look any better by doing that. And there's the video of Stephen Reed walking side by side with Paul Tini as he gets to the tunnel, and uh, the crowd are booing and all that, and Tierney's waving his fingers around like that. Speculative again, we don't know what was said, but to me, that insinuates that this is you, you're winding them up in this sense. like the, The anger's directed at
0: me. Rather than reflecting back and going, this is because I'm an absolute prick, yeah, absolutely. I think thinking about it now, after what you just said, he pro- Stephen Reid probably got the red card because he was standing in front of him and stopping him from getting off the pitch. That's why the ref, the referees, all come together to get off the pitch because they might not be able to. I think, I think is the uh, is the reasoning. So I wonder if he's saying that he's get he's coming off because it's it's rowdy, you only get his head kicked in. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a stinky situation, isn't it? It's not. It's- I say, it's not helped by the fact that Liverpool went up the be red and scored, but I think you you made the point earlier around the fact that this isn't a speculative thing. This this isn't an opinion. This is categorically he got a law wrong. So why is VAR not able to just say, like, like say, even the ball's going out for a corner. The next time it goes out of place, it goes out for the corner. Oh, got that wrong, mate. Send it back for a, yeah, this. Because all, all that's going to happen is he's good, like, it's just going to kick off again. You know, we've had the, the 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 goal at Liverpool Tottenham this season. You know, is ah yeah, yeah, I would have gone. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. The slide. Yeah, and
2: yeah.
1: I think VAR not being able to intervene in these things and let a referee know when he's got something completely wrong extends back to Bolly having a second yellow. VAR can't intervene, but the referee has fundamentally got that wrong. Um, so it's almost like we're. At, finding the little obscure loopholes that have really hurt Forrest over the course of this season. And I think inevitably, VAR might be able to interject for a second yellow. We've just had to suffer the brunt of it before it got to that point, whilst it's still in its infancy. Doesn't, I think the talking point is like the referee has obviously influenced the game massively here. I do think given how we'd seen the rest of the game out, we would have done a pretty good job of continuing to add on that pressure whilst Liverpool are under the cash. Obviously, there is still a lot to do for Liverpool to go up the other end and score, even though they've just had a chance to just stop the pressure like that as if it's nothing. And we have to reflect and say we should have cleared it. We 100% should have cleared that ball. Uh, but I don't think it's one or the other here. I think it's a mixture of both, and that's why I feel completely aggrieved. <laughs>
0: yeah i'm as, as, if you if anybody watched match of the day or if you didn't i think it's worth going to watch it because alan shearer his, his kind of almost like model summary of the situation at the end is is very similar to what you just said jj but it's, it's very very good it's basically the, the game was all forest at that point it was all forest pressure and that mistake allows that pressure to just go from 100 to zero and liverpool can attack and guess what they attacked they got a corner, Caller goes in, recycle the ball, and we score. Now, that, that doesn't glaze well over the fact that Tywo should... The pass from Martin and I think, is clever because it gives us a chance to counter-attack, which is what I want to see. Tywo should do better with the ball categorically. Neko should be goal side of Darwin Nunes, forcing him to do more than just get a flick on the header. But they shouldn't be in that situation. Do you know what I mean? They should not be there. And if, if we get a drop ball out on the... uncontested drop ball out on the side... That doesn't happen, does it? That 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 goal cannot happen if we get that drop ball.
1: No, and I guess that's why it's so hard to come to terms with because it's out of our hands there. And as I said earlier, things the potential things that are going to possibly send us down are a point deduction, so something happening in court and refereeing decisions. We've not helped ourselves, goalkeeping errors. Change your manager, et cetera, et cetera. And generally not being good. Largely, but, you know, I'll ask you a question in a minute off the back of this, but we've not helped ourselves, but I think we've got enough in us. No points deduction, no refereeing errors. We've got more than enough from that to stay up comfortably, I think. And this is why I'm just feeling what's the point because I can't enjoy a football game in a minute because you just feel there's going to be a stupid decision go against you or matters outside or off, off the pitch are going to let us down. I guess it still looms over us, so it might be a fine. It might be three points. We still don't know, and that's the difficult thing. It almost feels like you can't come to terms with the season and its conclusion until you find out what the potential yeah. reaches. Let me ask you, me ask you on, this on, question, Jake. Um, <laughs> well, I'll let you go
0: first whilst I remember what I was going to say okay. and then I'll ask <laughs> so you question. My question was just at the end of that 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 kind of really disappointed end of the game, not, not for any of our reasons whatsoever. What's the... I want you to think off the top of your head right now what's a, a positive you took out of that game? It's a roundabout way of what I
1: was going to ask you as well. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> I think... My question was to you, you can think about this as well, is uh, off the back of that, we can probably say that we held the title race leaders to 98 minutes uh, of a good performance, pushed them all the way, uh, looked like we should have got something out of that. That is a far cry from our performance against Villa and other performances we've seen this season we should take a lot of positives and spirits from that performance to say, look, what we've just done against the leaders in this title race, we've got enough in us to stay up if we can perform consistently like this. So what I was going to say to you is, do you think we can take positives from this situation? Will the whole refereeing decision, the fact that it was late heartbreak and it felt like it was unjust, will that light a fire under us make us kick on Everyone unified. Let's see out the rest of the season, pick up some results, and essentially, do you think you can we can build on this performance to just about stay up? Because if you can do that against Liverpool, I think there's not many other teams out there, City excluded, that you you know you can take that game to them and probably win. Um, but in terms of your question, to me, I think the positives that we could take from that is, I think we've got a, a strong performance under our belt there. I think that's what we can take from it. I think, aside from the decision that went against us on any day, that's a point against Liverpool, who are a strong side, uh, first place at the minute ahead of Man City. They have whooped teams. This is the first time this season in the Premier League that Liverpool have won 1 0, which shows that they've probably, every time they've won, they've largely dominated games uh, or scored more than one. And we held them to that up until the 99th minute. So I think. A very good defensive performance is a positive we can take from that. I think we can take strength in the centre-back pairing. I think we can take a positive from the goalkeeper because I think Sal's had a great game and also he made an incredible point-blank save. I think it was largely overlooked because it came off Murillo and they were more focused on the fact that Murillo will be relieved as opposed to the fact that it was just a fantastic reaction save. So the goalkeeping standards have increased since we had Matt Turner in that. Uh, yeah. Turner was a good shot stopper, but I think some of Cell's, um distribution was lovely. I think his very, very first kick of the game yesterday found, I think it was hudson Adore on the left, perfectly, pitch perfect. So his distribution has largely improved the, uh, our squad uh, and he looks comfortable. And I feel a lot more confident with him in that than I do with Turner because every time the ball went near him I felt a sense of dread don't really feel that anymore so that's positive and I know this isn't really directly a part of this game but we have people like Bolly, Aina, Sangari coming back which will strengthen the squad Chris Wood's due back, he looks like he was in training through photos so I guess the positives are if we can do that against Liverpool there's no reason we can't kick on and
0: use that to ignite us for the rest of the season what about you Jacob? So yeah, the, the, the big positive for me was the settled 11. You know, it might be we were one player out of that being our best team with Taiwo being in for Dibok Origi. The back five at the minute, maybe A for Toffolo, but the back five, that back five, I don't think he's touching. I mean, the youth uh, and the quality of Alaba, um, Bamadelli and Murillo is key. Neko Williams looks like a different player so this, this second half of the season. Toffolo, solid, doesn't do anything wrong, has a great cross on him as well. Um, I think Yates was ex- exactly what I saw against Arsenal, which I was surprised lot of people didn't see. I saw Yates broke their play up so much. Um, Dominguez never stops, does he? He's sensational. Langer, he climbed to the door down the way. They obviously, Langer played from uh, settled. Gibbs White's really looking to start playing his football in the right parts of the pitch, which was always my great criticism of him. And then you have a striker up front, you know, it could be Tyler, it could be a it could be Woods. And that's it's just great. And I I, I think with a settled eleven like we have now, or set very, you know, like it, it's a, there's only one or two changes you could make to, to to depend on who we're playing. I think that's really, really key. And I think that'll help us get results because we were very comfortable in this game. I'm not saying it wasn't hard, but I'm saying we were very comfortable in this game. We were very tactically astute. We should never have got anywhere near a loss in this game. Um, and yeah, I think that's a huge positive.
1: And Alanga did have a good chance
0: in the second half well, as well. we one. should
1: have been 1-0 up, shouldn't we? Definitely. If we took our, again, if we took our chances, it's a different story. Oh, the volley, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think, like, given the whole narrative of the referee and decision, it's glossed over some really good bits where if it just goes in, it's a different story, and I think we're close. We're very close uh, to getting a really good result and I do we'll, we'll do a more in-depth podcast next week about this but I really do feel like we can go to Brighton and get a result this is what Nuno's instilled in us now I think is we can go anywhere and if we play like that we'll do well if we play like we know we can which is a lot worse then we'll get battered but the fact that if we turn up we're more than capable of winning any game varsity probably for the rest of the season I think Shows there's a lot of points to be picked up and I just hope we can pick up a few and hit a good run of form uh, in the next few weeks. To p- the points deduction to the back of our mind, but hopefully Luton are starting to hit their the end of their purple patch. They have a lot of fight in them, but the fight isn't equating to three points. They tried their best against Villa yesterday, got two goals back, but inevitably lost it. And As long as that keeps happening and we can push on from this, then you know, hopefully we've got enough in us to just get this horrendous season
0: behind us. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, like, like JJ said, we're going to talk Brighton later on in the week. Um, JJ, are you going to give us the quiz answer now?
1: We are. Do you want to give your answer?
0: Did you, did you
1: think it was? It's Jay Lynch, isn't it? It's not called Jay Lynch, but what I will do is I'll roll the answer and we'll see.
2: So, at the top of the show, we gave you the person that played for Brighton and Forest. That played for Brighton, Forest, Huddersfield Town, QPR, Sunderland and Crawley Town. Of course, the answer is Joel Lynch. Did you get it? Did you get it, Jacob? I don't believe you if you did. If you got it, congratulations. This guy once called Forest mediocre, apparently. <sighs> says a lot. I Guess he's not wrong. Anyway, well done if you want it. Rubbish if you didn't. You Reds.
0: Yeah, he, he never actually. Yes, he wasn't Rochester. Rochester. If you look at the amount of time he was at Forest, he, he only got into the team when he when his contract was running out in the last season, and then he went to Huddersfield. So, as he said, Hudsfield, I knew it was him. See, I picked
1: a, I picked one that I thought was not obvious because I thought you'd think I'd go for a Glenn Murray or a Knockout or a gate and Bong, which was just obvious. Yeah, I think so you got a, a hmm. gettable, gettable, but not obvious one. And you actually guessed it before I told you which teams you played for, which is really annoying because that took a long time.
0: <laughs> what was my? I I did one for you, didn't I as well? Mine was Liam Brick, but <laughs> yeah, that you, was difficult. You did get, it took a took a few extra clues, but you did get. Did get. Let us know in the comments if you got it. Uh, oh, well, let us know some more as well. I'd be interested to hear some more
1: Brighton Forest, players who play for Brighton and Forest. There's actually a lot, Jacob, I did look at this earlier. There's, there's a lot so, okay. any others you could think of, let me know. But yeah, we'll do, we'll, a, le- we'll do a podcast next week, going more detail into the uh, Brighton Preview. Mm-hmm.
0: Last week's one as well, that was obviously Nigel Clough. Um, I, I did it for my mum and dad at the weekend. <laughs> my mum got it for my dad. <laughs> that, that would have hurt yeah. him. Yeah, I must have hurt him. <laughs> must have hurt him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, if you're listening for the first time, thank you very much for finding us. We really appreciated it. And if you've come back again and again and again and again and again and again and again, God knows we love you. You yeah. yes.